Well, good morning. You guys look wonderful, as always. No, no humility in that. Um, if you got a Bible, we're going to be now. If you can believe this or not, and I can't judge you if you don't believe me when I say this, we're going to knock out fifty verses. Uh, I promise. I promise. And in a thirty-minute amount of time, uh, it's John chapter six. However, before you turn there. Uh, can you go to Numbers chapter 11 uh, briefly? I promise you, y'all, don't, don't judge yet, all right? You ain't heard the sermon yet. Um, context is very important uh, before we get into John, the rest of John chapter 6. We've already started uh, into it last week. Uh, so context is important. This is um, what we call uh, hermeneutics, and what we're trying to do is get into the minds of the writers, and in order to do that, we have to understand what's really happening in John chapter 6. It's almost like uh, if you take a verse out of John chapter 6 and just kind of cherry pick one out, uh, like, like later on in the chapter, it says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you could say, oh, see, they're cannibals. We could all eat people. Right. I mean, so it's important to understand what's actually being said in the scripture. It's like taking uh, a scripture from Philippians that says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and believe that you can go live on the top of Mount Everest and survive. No, baby, you'll die. Sure, you can go live there, but it's not going to last a long time. Right. So context is everything. Right. So we, we love to just take verses that we don't understand, like what's going on in the verse and say, see, the, the Bible says that nothing's impossible. So I'll be the next president. See, the Bible says that this is uh, all things through Christ. That means I can do anything. No, it doesn't. It, eat my flesh, drink my blood is not Jesus going all vampire on people. So you really got to understand when Jesus says that I'm the bread of life what he's referring to. So that's, that's the reason why it's going to take us just a minute to get to John chapter 6. So Numbers chapter 11, all right? What you're going to find here in just a second is that Numbers chapter 11 is actually, um, it, it's actually uh, giving us a foreshadowing, I should say, of John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is the fulfillment of what we're going to read in Numbers chapter 11. So let me trace our minds back from the series that we did in Exodus, if I can. In fact, there's a lot of parallels uh, from Exodus in the book of John. Uh, and so here's Moses and John, or in that, one of those Bible books, Numbers, whichever one you want to choose from, I guess. Uh, Numbers chapter 11, here's Moses. He has just led the children of Israel uh, out of, well, God led them out of uh, slavery. Uh, he has they have literally seen the hand of God move in such a way that you and I have never seen these types of miracles. You and I have never seen a literal water being parted. You and I uh, have never seen the death angel pass by our doors and having to put sheep's uh, blood over your lamp's post. So here's what they've just witnessed. Just a miraculous hand of God, like shut out a complete army. And so here they are, they're hungry, they're in the wilderness in just a matter of a few months. I don't think that's the actual wilderness, but I don't know. Um, here they are, just a matter of a few months. What did the children of Israel start to do? Complain, complain, grumble, grumble, grumble. Moses, you've led us out here to die. 
And so God's like, okay, you complainers out there, I'll give you something to eat. I'll give you, I'll give you something. In fact, you ain't got to make it. You ain't got to bake it. You ain't got to work for it. It's just, you're going to wake up, and there's going to be manna. There's going to be bread out your window. All you got to do is just pick it up and eat it. All right, so let's, let's think about this. Manna from heaven. Literal bread that God made in the kitchens of heaven was given to these people, and all they had to do was eat it. But what do they do? Complain. Complain, complain, complain. Funny how this was thousands of years ago, and hardly nothing has changed. Uh-huh. Y'all didn't know I was stepping on them toes now. So there's this pattern with the children of Israel from the get-go all the way through the Old Testament of them complaining, them thinking that the presence of suffering meant that was the absence of God. And so what they did was they would turn to the old lifestyle, turn to their idols, turn to the thing that they thought would satisfy them. And it just enrages God. All right. So Numbers chapter 11, look at verse 4 and see what happens. Now the rabble, or this is a mob of people, disgruntled people getting together and trying to just infiltrate the camp with their disgruntledness. Okay? So the mob here that was among them had a strong craving at the people of Israel who wept, and the people of Israel wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember fish we ate in Egypt. It didn't cost us a thing. Them cucumbers, them melons, them leeks, them onions, and that savoring garlic. Savoring's not in there. I'm just thinking this. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna from heaven. You know what they're saying here? God, you are a failure. You have failed us here in the wilderness. You ever thought that? God, you failed me. Where are you is the question. Here comes old Jenkins out the camp. I don't know if that's his name. <laughs> old Mr. Jenkins comes out the camp and he says, listen, y'all. I know we were enslaved by an oppressive empire, but at least we had a fish fillet to go with the bread. I mean, out of all the things that you think they can complain about, like I need my downs pillow. No, they need their meat. They need the fish fillet to come on out of heaven. This is just strange to me that they're going to find this one thing to complain about and they're grumbling and complaining because the bread just wasn't good enough for them. The bread wasn't good enough for them. And this was a free gift. All they had to do was just pick it up and eat it. I don't know why that this wasn't good enough. I don't know why if they were just, perhaps they were just getting tired of bread. Now, I, I think that's a cop-out. Because I know how I do things 
in my own eating ways is I have a very, very strict eating pattern. And I'll let you know what it is. <laughs> I eat four things every single day. And I'll alternate them. It's either turkey or chicken or rice or sweet potato. I eat that every day, all day. That's my diet. I don't complain about it. I'm not there sitting there watching my children um, indulge in lavishing pizza and be like, man, I wish I had that pizza. I'm not sitting there uh, watching them eat Taco Bell. Actually, I'll partake in Taco Bell. Okay. <laughs> in fact, here's something that's very strange. When I get into my car, you know how your phone, we like, you are seven miles till this location. My phone always says, you are seven miles to the nearest Taco Bell. I'm not making it up. <laughs> God is enraged by their complaining. And Moses gets mad. You read later on in, in Numbers, no, Moses is getting mad. Well, I don't know if he's getting mad at God or if he's getting mad at the people. He's just, he's just angry, all right? Mad at life. I'd be mad, too, if I were Moses. He's like, God, this burden is just too heavy. I would just rather die. And, and what you can find the answer that God would give Moses is like, oh, you think this is your burden? Oh, oh, you the one that led them out of Israel or of Egypt? No, I'm the one. Oh, you think you the one that parted the sea? I, I did that. Oh, you think that you're the one that brought manna down from it? That was me, Moses. So slow your roll. Constant complaining throughout the Old Testament. Constant turning their back on that which satisfies to something that they think satisfies. And then that when God provides, it's just not good enough. Because the answer that God gives them is not the answer that they want. And so what you find, starting here early in the story of Israel is a people who struggle with God, who are always complaining, who are always turning their back on their God and trying to go towards something they think that satisfies them, but doesn't. John chapter 6, what you're going to find is this longing and these cravings that they had it's about to be truly, eternally satisfied. Amen. And you're going to find all of these parallels from Numbers 11 and really the story of Exodus summed up in chapter 6 of John. Amen. So Jesus is about to go into this extremely long sermon. He's about to explain to them the signs that he just performed. Remember, he just had fed 12,000 up to 12,000 people and he had just did something that you and I will never do he walked on water it's near Pentecost for them and this is what we've been waiting for they've been waiting for the heavenly food to rain down from God's blessings and this is what Jesus does he feeds them he walks on water and when Jesus comes up from uh, the shore they ask him how'd you get here which is 
astonishing to me because that wouldn't be the question I did not ask Jesus. But instead, they ask him, how did you get here? This is during Passover. Passover, if you know, was started. Where? When the angel passed over. So there's your connection. This is not only happening during Passover. In verse 5, Jesus asked, who's going to feed these people? Not because he didn't know. But this is a question just like Moses asked to God. What are we going to do about the meat? Verse 14, they perceived he was a prophet. Uh, I don't know, maybe like Omo. I, I call him that. We're on a first name basis. Verse 16 through 21, there is this demonstration of God's incredible sovereign power over the waters and wind, just like he displayed to the waters of the Red Sea when he parted them. And the people in John chapter 6, upon hearing this message of Jesus that we're about to get into, they do one thing and one thing only. They grumble and complain. So let's read. Let's pick it up in verse 28. I'm going to show you this. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him, who was, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, this is very aggressive what Jesus is saying. I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus answered to them and said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now let me just pause right there, and let's, let's dive into that one statement, which is one of the seven I am statements that Jesus is going to give, which is a claim of his deity. This is Jesus' statement of him telling these people who he really is. I am. I have found that many people do not struggle with an idea of God being there, but I have found that a lot of people struggle with Jesus being God. And here Jesus is making this claim to fame, his claim of deity, I am, which is just the same language that when that bush started talking to who? Moses? And Moses asked him, who do I tell them sent me? And that voice said, I am sent you. So here is this incredible connection. And in fact, if, if this is not further proof for you to know that Jesus is God, then this is why the Pharisees, this is why the people could not accept him because of this claim of deity. The Pharisees thought this was blasphemous. Blasphemy on you for claiming. This is evidently what drove them to want to kill Jesus. And so here's Jesus giving us this first statement 
of the I am's with this incredible I am. I am the bread. Let me keep reading. So the Jews, they did what? Y'all reading this? They did what, y'all? Come on now. Y'all can talk back. Verse 41. The Jews, thank you. They grumbled. Some of you were scared to say that because you're probably grumbling right now. <laughs> How dare he say that about me somewhere? They're grumbling just like the people of Israel. How dare he? Listen to what he says. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say I've come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourself. No one can come to me. Uh-oh, y'all. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It's written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who comes from, uh, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I love this repetition. I am the bread of life. Look at this parallel here. Your fathers ate that man in the wilderness, and they died. That poor little baby, Judson, don't squeeze her so tight. <laughs> this is the bread that comes down from heaven. And notice what he says. You eat of this bread, you will not die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that will give for the life of the word is my flesh. Yo, this is incredible here. I want you to see the arrogance and the ignorance of the Jewish people listening to Jesus. The arrogance of the Jewish people were like, wait a minute, I know your mom and daddy. I seen them at the marketplace the other day. I know who you really is. You ain't no Jesus from heaven. I mean, they think they know. Like, they think they really know who this Jesus is character is but they have no clue he's sitting there telling them who he really is and yet they're so blinded by their ideas of who the messiah should be that they miss it so there's their arrogance and likewise they're ignorant about it they just they choose not to accept this fundamental belief of who jesus really is so what do they do they ask well just give me another sign then again Got to take you back to the Old Testament here. They're constantly looking for signs. Give us another sign then if you Jesus. And Jesus is like, bet, I'll give you a sign. How, how dare he say we know where he came from? How dare he say this? They think they, think they know, but they're just caught up in their ignorance. And then they say, well, just give us this bread always. I'm hangry. <laughs> I want you to see this, what their desire of the bread is. Their desire of the bread is an exposure of idolatry in their heart. Which they think, once I get this thing, it'll satisfy me. Jesus here is stretching the conversation and saying, I am the fulfillment of Numbers 11. 
check this. Moses ain't the one that gave you food. My father did. Jesus saying, I'm the greater Moses. Moses wanted to die in his misery, die in his suffering, die because the burden was too heavy. Jesus comes along in the scene here and says, the burden will be heavy and it will kill me, yet I still go. So Jesus here is the greater Moses in this story. Not only that, Jesus is the better manna. This manna that they ate, they still died. And Jesus here is trying to draw them, but if you partake in my life, partake in my bread, you will not die. You will live forever. Jesus is not only the greater Moses, but he's the greater manna from heaven. And yet all that they are looking for is something that will satisfy them now and here. It is an exposure that's something that you and I deal with on a daily basis, idolatry. You and I have a bread that we eat, and most of the time, it's not the bread of life. And God here is exposing our hearts for what they really are. You are living for something that cannot and will not satisfy you. And I don't know what your bread is. Your bread may be sex, it may be power, it may be relationships, it may be money, it may be food, it may be whatever it is, but listen to me carefully. It won't satisfy you. In fact, we make this bread our idols in our own hearts. Well, if I just get a better job. Well, if I just get a better house. Well, if I just, if I could just do this, if I can just... Uh, if my, my spouse would just act right, don't amen that. <laughs> that wasn't a good cue. If my children would just act right, now you could amen that, because okay? I amen that. So, but, but we just we just think that if this in my life can be fixed, if if I could just get more power, if I could just get more influence, and some of you, your bread is the opinion of people. We think that how people view us matters more than how God has viewed you. This is a bread that will not fulfill you and was never meant to fulfill you. Jesus comes to them and he says, you're looking for something that can't satisfy you. And I'm giving you an offer on the table of life. I'm the bread of life. And it gets super weird, y'all. I mean, this thing turns real awkward in a hot second. Y'all think I'm weird? <laughs> Someone, I'm not going to name their names, reminded me a couple weeks ago about some of the weird things I've said over the past years. And I've said some crazy stuff. Not accidental heresy, okay? But I've just said some strange things. It's just how warped my mind can be sometimes. Like, if I ever need a pill of humility, I'll just go to you. <laughs> ever wonder why our church isn't exploding? I'll just come to you and you can remind me why our church isn't exploding because of the weird things I've said over the past several years. <laughs> With no sign of stopping. <laughs> Not one. The older I get, the worse I get. It's like, you know, older people, they don't have a filter. I'm already a disgruntled old man inside of a young man's body. There, I've confessed 
If you don't like it, there is your chance to leave now. But even more awkward and weird than I am, Jesus is. <laughs> because of what he's about to say. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, and I don't know why I got to say this in a vampire voice, unless you eat my flesh, and, you know, and the, because that's what it says. Is Jesus, there it is. Yeah. He says, unless you eat my flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. <laughs> now, here we go back to context. Many people have thought this to actually mean Jesus is giving the green light to cannibalism. I'm not making this up. In fact, this is where you get a false doctrine that when you partake communion, his blood, the, the wine actually becomes his blood and the uh, bread is actually the flesh that you eat. And they think that this is a um, sort of communion type thing, but this is not what it's talking about. This is a very difficult thing to listen to, especially if you're listening as a Jew among this, again, remember, up to 12,000 people are sitting there listening to Jesus. Eating his flesh and drinking his blood is not meant to be taken literally here. This is a picture of Jesus' death because Jesus has to die so that we may live. And the sole requirement for salvation is not partaking in communion. It's not partaking in any sacrament. It's not being baptized. It's belief. And this idea right here, that the flesh and blood that he's talking about is the death of Christ, is the substitute, is the atonement, that for all your work that you can do, to try to gain Christ's acceptance, you'll never reach it. And so Jesus here is giving them an invitation. You could stop working and stop trying. If you just believe in me. Eating his flesh, drinking his blood, is believing in Christ. Believing that he is the fulfillment. Believing that he is the source of all life. That's what it means here. And, uh, and it's funny because how they respond. Actually, it's not funny. It's probably what all of us would do. Verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so Jesus turned around and he looks at his 12 and he says to them, you want to go away as well? And I love Peter's response. Where are we going? I have nowhere to go. I've risked it all for you. You hold the words of eternal life. We've believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We've come to believe that you are the source that you are the I am, the bread that will eternally satisfy me. Yeah. And just like the people of Israel in Numbers 11, he 
These people were following Jesus because they wanted miracles. At least that's Jesus' accusation against them. You want me for the signs. You want me so that your uh, bellies can be fed and be filled. But here, this invitation that Jesus gives, it doesn't matter why you're here. Because the invitation that Jesus gives to you is new life, is the bread. You want to feel and stop and shut out the angst inside of your heart? You want to actually feel satisfaction in your soul? And stop chasing the bread that you are holding on to and start pursuing after the invitation of Christ who is the bread of life. If you are looking and we're searching and we're longing for something inside of us to be filled. We're longing to find satisfaction in our life through relationships, through drugs, through alcohol, through sex, through power, through money, through jobs, through people's opinions of ourselves. And those things will never satisfy you, friends. The invitation on the table, Jesus comes. I don't care why you are here. Just come and feast. Come and receive my bread of life. This hard saying of Jesus um, truly is a hard saying for these people because it revealed the nature and it revealed the true intent of their hearts. Oh, no, we ain't. We, we, ain't, we ain't here for you, Jesus. We just here for what you can give us. Notice the invitation Jesus gives in John chapter 1. We find some of his boys. He said, the first invitation is come and see. And now see the progression of the invitations. All right, come and see, now come and receive, which will be progressed then into come and die. So the invitations on our walk of faith, they progressively get more difficult. But it's what Jesus is after. Will you come and partake? Will you come and receive this bread? Will you forsake all of the other breads in your life? Will you throw them away? Will you throw away all the other breads in your life and just take my bread? The question that Jesus is asking is, is he enough? Is Jesus enough for you? Is the bread of life enough for you? Or do we just have to keep on trying to find fulfillment in other things on this world? Again, doesn't matter why you're here because the invitation is for you and the invitation is for me. Jesus steps into these people's world, drops a grenade, Y'all see how warped my mind is, right? And just explodes. And out of the explosion, exposes their heart. Because that's what Jesus is after. I want your heart. I am the bread of life. So, Father, help us.